We are continuing on with our series on Ready, Set, Grow. This is uh, talking some about ways that we can grow in our faith, grow closer to Jesus, and grow more faithful as his followers. If you remember last week, Susan, uh, who is now teaching kids, this amazing lady, uh, preached on Sunday uh, last week and talked to us and are encouraging us to practice uh, our own devotions. And she gave some examples. Uh, I'm not sure which one of you or which ones you guys tried. I tried the daily office and failed miserably. Uh, last week I was on holidays and up in the mountains and my schedule was, there was no schedule. So that failed pretty miserably for me. I don't know if any of you also had similar experience. But the one thing I did do it was actually a little bit different than what uh, Susan suggested was um, practice the presence of God constantly, uh, whether I was just walking or sitting or what, giving thanks to God or praying to God, talking with God, realizing that, that the Holy Spirit was always present. So that was the, my practice for last week. Um, we're going to continue on talking about how we grow as followers of Jesus. Last week was our personal devotion. <clears throat> this week we're going to talk a little bit about the, the next kind of size of the bigger group uh, in terms of a small group. I'm talking about it as the uh, discipleship hothouse or um, uh, well, greenhouse. That's another common name for it. That um, small groups are great places for us to grow uh, in our faith. We get to have interaction with each other. We get to study together. Um, we can hear other people's comments about things. We don't just, because sometimes we can have really good ideas and it's great to share with others. And sometimes we get the wrong idea about a passage and the rest of the group says, whoa, wait a minute. I don't think you've understood that correctly. And so we need each other in these small groups, not only in terms of our growth and understanding who God is and what he's doing, but also in terms of family, uh, community, connection with each other, praying for one another, sharing meals together, um, whatever the small group might look like. Uh, I was thinking about it this, this last week. Um, some questions like maybe why, why do we want to be in a small group? And, and it's my desire that all of us would be a part of a small group. Um, and what I mean by that, sometimes you think like, oh, and you have this picture of a small group, the kind of quintessential small group where maybe everybody meets at a house, maybe they study scripture or they eat a meal together, um, and they sit around a table about eight to ten people and they discuss it. That's a very common and a very fruitful type of small group, but there's lots of different types. As you'll see next week when we have our small group um, sign-up sheet or just contact information, all the groups that are meeting. Some groups are more like classes. Uh, I think of Walter's group that meets on Tuesday. Walter um, teaches uh, from Scripture, and there's a small group of, um, of his friends around him, and, and it's kind of more of a class. Like they focus on the Bible, less on conversations and, and food. Um, then there's also small groups. I think about the worship group that gathers here on Wednesday, and you think, wait a minute, Jason, that's not a small group. And it is a small group of a sort. They don't study the Bible for an hour. They actually come and prepare to sing. But it's, also a, it, but it's a group nonetheless. They, over the weeks, over the months, over the years, get to know each other. They pray for each other. Uh, there's community that forms. It becomes a small group of sorts. I know some people who meet in small groups that are very small. Actually, uh, I'm a part of a small group uh, with Mike McGilvery, with Dan Knight, and with A.J. Evenson, who goes to the Nelson Church. We meet once a month uh, for a couple hours, and we're going through a study on uh, leadership, on Christian leadership. 
that's a very different type of small group, a very small group. So small groups don't have to be you and 10 other people. They could be you and two or three others. So we'll talk some more, uh, have some more uh, ideas for that next week. But I wanted to continue on and just look at Scripture and how does God speak to us about growing as uh, followers. So if you want to open up your Bibles to Acts chapter 2, verse 42 to 47, we're going to start by working through it. All right, so this is Luke uh, writing this. He wrote the Gospel of Luke, and then he also wrote the, the um, Acts of the Apostles. And he says, um, he's talking about the apostles. So they devoted themselves. So the people, um, uh, the early church, devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching. So I was thinking about this earlier, about how amazing that they actually had the apostles. Um, the, the disciples who walked with Jesus, they had them as their actual teachers. We get the closest we can through reading scripture. This is the apostles' teaching for us. Uh, Matthew, Mark, Luke, uh, Paul, uh, the writers of the New Testament, they are the apostles that teach us. Talks that they also gathered um, for fellowship, for community with each other, uh, for breaking bread, and for prayer. It said, everyone was filled with awe, and many wonders and miraculous signs were done uh, by the apostles. Now, see, these are great elements of the church gathering together. Think about this. You get the sense that good things are happening here. And we'll come back to this model of small group uh, at the end. I think I wanted to touch on here is that all the believers were together, and they had everything in common, selling their possessions on goods or, uh, and goods. They gave to everyone who had need. Now, I'd like to save this passage. This is part of what was happening in the church. I'd like to save this for another time. This is, um, as we're talking about small groups, this is a really big question that a lot of Christians have, like, wow, how do we do this? Does this mean I have to sell all my stuff to be a follower of Jesus, or what does this look like? I think it does challenge us to some uh, pretty radical generosity, but we're going to have to say this for another sermon. Uh, just to say broadly this, that um, this early church was taking care of one another. They were taking care of each other. They were helping each other out, selling their stuff, um, to help those who were in need, those who really needed help, not just those who thought, oh, I need this, or I'd like to have that. Could you sell your stuff so I can have something nice? But actually people who are needing like real things like food or shelter. All right, so let's keep moving. So it said this, that um, every day they continued to meet in the temple courts. Um, and this is an interesting thing because we often think, or sometimes people get the wrong idea, that, that Christianity was a new religion that Jesus started. Actually, Jesus is the Messiah of Judaism. And so there is this continuity between Judaism and Christianity that faithful Israel realized that Jesus was Messiah. Like his first followers were actually Jewish. So he didn't come to start a new religion. It's actually the Jews who were following the Messiah. Then this, he says, they broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts. It's interesting that they ate together. Now we might think of this, or we might think, oh, that's that's nice. It's it's nice to eat together. You know, it's uh, to have a meal and try other people's cooking and things like that. But it's interesting because in the ancient world, and we still get a sense of it even even now. But in the ancient world, to eat a meal with somebody was to invite them into a deeper level of connection. So if you ate a meal with somebody, that was like saying, uh, we're more than just acquaintances now. Maybe even more than friends. 
but we are connected in a deeper way. So eating a meal with someone had uh, importance. And talked too about how they did it. It said that they had glad and sincere hearts. It's interesting because you get this sense that good things are happening in this church, this early church that's gathered around Jesus. Good things are happening here. And then it says this, and then they were praising God. It's an important element here, and we're going to get to this next week. Uh, last week we talked about our personal devotion. This Sunday we're talking about growing in small groups as disciples. Next Sunday we're going to talk about how we grow as followers of Jesus when we gather together on Sunday mornings like this to worship God, to spend time together, to encourage each other to hear the word of God. So we'll talk about that next week. And it's interesting because they were doing these things and enjoying the favor of all the people. Now the the Greek word behind this is laos, which means not just all the people in the church, but the people around the outside, people in the community around them. And it's interesting because healthy community is compelling to people. When we as a church are healthy and caring for each other and spending time with each other, taking care of each other, people from the outside look at that and think, man, I think I would like to be a part of that group. When churches are the opposite, when churches tear each other apart or fight or tear each other down, people look on the outside from that and they say, man, I don't want any part of that. So I think what's interesting is this is a good model for us, that this church was caring for each other well, gathering together like a new people of God. And the people around them who were on the outside looking in thought, wow, this is amazing. All right. And he says this, this is the amazing part of it. He says, then the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. One, uh, this is pretty um, amazing because it's a rich community that God uh, adds to. So you think about this, I mean, just you see it, like churches that are not healthy or where people are fighting with one another, not very often or very rarely are those churches as God adding to their number daily. But usually it's the churches where people are following Jesus, where they are gathering together uh, on Sunday, caring for each other. Those are the sort of places that people want to be a part of. Those are the sort of places where God adds to their number. It's interesting, though, because sometimes we, um, um, we might be put on God's uh, shoulders that, well, you know, it's God's fault that our church isn't growing. Um, that we take a look at maybe even this passage and look at ourselves and realize that actually if maybe if we were healthy or if there is health, then God adds. Okay? <clears throat> then we get this, uh, the point that I think Luke is trying to make with all of this, this picture of everything, is that God is doing something good here. The church was responding to Jesus' life, death, and resurrection as his, and his ascension. This church uh, they lived in the time of Jesus, and they were amazed by what he was doing. And so they gathered together daily. They gathered together, they broke bread in their homes. They were studying and praising God, listening to the teaching of the apostles. <clears throat> but it's interesting because there's also some good aspects for small groups in this passage for us. So let's dig into those, okay? So, um, if you want to grow... You need ideal conditions. That's the whole point of this, of this greenhouse or this hothouse. It's the ideal, con- ideal conditions, temperature, humidity, light, soil. It's a great place for sprouts to grow. 
Some of you who are gardeners and those of you who have greenhouses know that you can start tomatoes that are kind of warmer weather plants. You can start them uh, early in spring. When they would die out in the garden, they would survive in the greenhouse. The small groups are like greenhouses, great places for sprouts, for new faith to grow. Not only that, but great places for people who have been following Jesus for a long time to grow even more. So if you want to grow in faith, get in a small group. Sunday morning is good. Gathering together like this is good, but it's not enough. For you to sit and to listen to me and to think your thoughts, but not be able to say, hey, Jason, what about this part? Or, or what about that? Or I'd like to talk about this for, um, to understand it more deeply. We need discussion and interaction in small groups. Personal devotion that Susan talked about is great. Uh, she talked about it last week. But we are meant for community too. I know we live in a time where individualism is uh, a pretty high ideal in our community, uh, in our culture, where everybody thinks, oh, no, I'll just do it on my own. I'll do it on my own way, on my own time. That's not the way of people of God. Jesus meant that we would be together as a church, as a community. Um, not only that, but we need each other to speak the truth in love to us. Sometimes, like, we, like I mentioned earlier, that we will get a thought and we'll think, oh, I think this is what the Bible means, or this is what God is telling me to do, or this is what I want to do, and I'm just going to act like God likes it. But if you're in a small group, you have friends who you know, who you trust, who will say, you know I care about you. You know I care about you, but what you're doing isn't right, or what you're doing isn't good. And so we need small groups around us. The things uh, is people make all kinds of excuses. I was thinking about this, about small groups. One, uh, the first one I think of is too busy. You know, I'd love to be in a small group, Jason, that sounds wonderful, but I'm just too busy. I've got all these other things going on. And, you know, I think about it, like how busy we are, all these things that were supposed to save us time, um, but actually they're just giving us more options. I grew up um, a few years ago now, a few decades ago, when I played uh, multiple sports through a year. Um, now it seems almost like if like you can't even advance in sports unless you're willing to devote year-round devotion to one sport and travel, uh, not only in your community, you know, to play hockey or, or soccer in your community, but you have to travel to nearby places or not so nearby places. Not only that... Um, with cars, we have ability to go places, to do things, so more things are open to us. If something's happening in Nelson or Caslow, those are all things that are open to us now because of cars, technology, lights. You know, it used to be, you know, think about even 100 years ago. People didn't stay up till 11 o'clock at night. Or maybe they did, but they were using lamps and maybe reading. It's hard to stay up too late when you're reading. Think about this, though. A uh, hundred years ago, maybe they'd stay up to 11, uh, but now with Netflix, people will stay up like all night <laughs> and binge watch their favorite episode of shows. These endless activities, um, it, not only for you, but for every person in your family. So I understand that it gets busy, but don't let that get in the way of you being a part of a small group. It comes to priorities. What are you going to prioritize? You're going to prioritize your relationship with God because that will affect everything else or some of your distractions or hobbies. 
The other thing too is I hear, so first thing I hear often is too busy. The other thing I hear is too hard. It's too hard to get to a small group. This group meets at night. I don't drive at night. This group meets 20 minutes away. I don't drive in the snow. You know, there's lots of different groups. There are groups that are close to you. There are groups that meet in the evening. There are groups that meet in the day. There are lots of options. Um, I've also heard this thing, too, is that, you know, sometimes um, people say, well, my spouse doesn't go, or my spouse doesn't want to go to a small group with me, so I, I guess I won't. There's lots of, there's women's groups, there's men's groups. Uh, there is definitely an option. So if you're thinking, oh, it's too hard, let me just say that it's not. There are options. The other thing I heard, too, is, oh, it's not my type. The small groups, nah, it's, it's not my type. Uh, it's too personal. Oh, it's not personal enough. It's too serious. Oh, it's, it's too social. Uh, there's groups that meet all of these different ways. So if you want something that's more social, if you want something that's more uh, biblical, if you want something that's more uh, fewer people, more people, there are groups uh, in our church for you to fit. It might not be perfect, but, you know, maybe that is good and it will help you stretch. Okay? So the excuse is it's not my type is not a good one. Thinking about this, like in our this this last week in our church, there's all types of small groups. There are Bible studies that meet. There are life groups. I think about our group that has met uh, last year and will start up meeting again. We gather together, share a meal together, watch uh, a video from uh, Right Now Media. It's a short uh, discussion on Scripture. We talk about it. We pray together. Uh, we um, spend a lot of time together. Then there are other groups that meet very like for an hour exactly in the study of Scripture. There are groups that meet for prayer, which is pretty awesome. Uh, I was talking with uh, Diane Knight this week. I was actually driving her to the prayer meeting that meets at Pat's house. Um, and we were talking about it, and she said, Oh, Jason, it's amazing to think about um, how God has blessed us. Like, we finish praying uh, for our church and for people in our church, and we feel so blessed by it. And we started talking some about it's be interesting to know what sort of things God has done because of this prayer group. Places where this group has interceded and God has changed or done something different. It's pretty powerful to think about how important prayer groups are. There's interest groups, like I mentioned already, our worship group, discipleship uh, fellowship groups that are small, three to four people, to intensely uh, study and become more faithful followers of Jesus. And see, if you want to grow, there are tons of options for you. Okay? The thing is, too, and if you find something that, oh, you know, Jason, nothing you sound really suits me, you can also start your own. I would love to help you with that and shepherd you in that. So if you're feeling like, oh, I need my own special kind of group, I might challenge you on that a little bit. But if you're insistent, we can start another group. Uh, I think about it, too, about how easy it is today. You know, before, I think of actually... Um, uh, Mike, he's not here, and I didn't ask him if I could share this, but he, both he and Dan, when they lead their small group, Mike uh, feels a lot of um, commitment to be the teacher of the group. You don't even have to be the teacher of the group anymore. You can, uh, there's like our group where you put something on from Right Now Media, um, a trusted uh, Bible teacher, where you just push play on a video, and then you facilitate the discussion afterward. So it doesn't have to be complicated. You don't have to be a New Testament scholar to lead a small group. And not only that, but I would love to help you with it. All right? 
I just like to encourage us to resist the consumerist and individualism of our culture. Right now, our culture asks first and foremost of everything is what's in it for me. Do I want to be a part of a small group? I don't know what's in it for me. Is it going to be good for me? Am I going to be fed? Am I going to get everything that I want out of it? These aren't necessarily bad questions, but it's bad if those are the only questions you ask. Because sometimes we're a part of a small group, not just for what we get out of it, but for what we can offer, or the, the relationships, or even the encouragement or the teaching we can offer others. So we're a part of a small group, not just for what's in it for me, but so that we can be a part of a group. The other thing, too, is um, to question this thought, and I know this is pretty rampant in, in our culture right now, is I just do better on my own. I just like to do it on my own. That way I don't, nobody pressures me. Nobody challenges me. I just get to do it at my own pace and, and think what I like to think. And I have to ask, like, is that biblical? Is that pride? Where does that come from? We have to ask that question. Possibly we need to grow in humility and have others challenge us and say, you know, I hear what you're saying. And I'm like, maybe that's really wonderful. Thanks for encouraging me with that. Or two, I hear what you're saying, but I don't think that's actually what Jesus meant. So that we can encourage each other. Uh, see, the thing is, in a small group, and one that's actually healthy and well, you can't paper over differences. You can't hide. You can't just say, oh, well, let's just agree to disagree. In a small group where you really care about each other, you want to know the truth. Not only that, but you have more accountability. Friends who will say, hey, you know, a couple weeks ago you prayed for this. How is that going? How are you doing that? How can I continue to pray for you or help you? Small groups are important this way. Sunday morning is a good start, gathering like this, but we are meant for more. The passage in to, This passage from today, um, it was every day. It was whole life. People's whole life was devoted to following Jesus. It was more than a religion. It was more than uh, a service that you went to on Sunday. It was a way of life. They began meeting throughout the week. Um, and it helps uh, us, when we meet in small groups, it helps us move from religion and religious practices that we do because we know we're supposed to. It helps us move from that idea uh, or that sort of relationship or, or idea of religion. It helps us move in small groups. It helps us move to a relationship with Jesus. Where we're doing this because, one, we want to please him or we want to follow him faithfully not because we're trying to do it because we know we're supposed to. So if you want to grow, get into a small group. Because it's more than just about knowledge. It's a relationship with Jesus, and we'll grow in our relationship with one another. I'm going to come back to this first part of the passage. I said I would. I said here, a great image of what small groups look like. First, they devoted themselves. They devoted themselves. Notice here it doesn't say, when it was convenient, they gathered together. It says they devoted themselves to it. I know I'm asking for a lot. I know everybody in our culture is asking for your uh, priorities and your attention. But if we want to grow as a church, if we want to grow um, as followers of Jesus, if you want to grow in your life, then we need to devote ourselves to put uh, gathering together, whether it's a group of eight or it's a worship group, or it's a small group of two or three, that we need to devote ourselves to gathering together in small groups. 
They also did this. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching. Talked some about this already, but I just want to say again, it's amazing that they actually had the apostles. For us, it's the Word of God. It's the Bible. This is the teaching of the apostles for us. And in a small group, that might be the person who teaches uh, from Scripture, or it might even be a video uh, that, speech, uh, that, that teaches from Scripture. But either way, we're getting the apostles' teaching. The other thing, too, is then to fellowship, the community, to be with one another. But here's the thing. Real community takes time. You can't just show up on the first day and have it all work out or feel like, wow, I feel immensely connected to these people. It takes time. I was thinking about that this week. Actually, uh, yesterday, as I was, uh, I was actually up in the mountains hunting with my friend Dave Ringheim. And uh, I was thinking about how many years our family and his family have been meeting together. Like my kids... Yeah, actually, Corbin, uh, he was born in Vancouver, but Shalem doesn't know life without the Ringheim kids. Like that sort of community takes time. It takes devotion. But when you get it, it's, it's one of those things, too, you don't usually set out for, but it's after, you know, like in Shalem's case, eight years, when you look back and you begin, wow, that is amazing. That is actually really powerful. So community takes time. This too, they also, for the gathering of breaking bread, lots of groups skip this. It's okay. Um, but it's interesting because this is mentioned twice in this passage, that they ate meals together. There is something powerful about eating meals together, about sharing. It's a great way for everybody to contribute. Even if you're not a biblical scholar, you can still contribute to the meal. Not only that, but everyone's leveled around the table. There's no hierarchy. We're all gathered together. The last part is this, is prayer how powerful this is to get one insights into each other's life, to hear what others are going through and how we can pray for them and care for them, but also to have them pray and care for us, to be involved in our lives and working in us. Church, I'm, I want us to be in small groups. Not just because I think it's, you know, it's a, a hobby of mine, or, but I actually think it's because it's one of the most powerful ways for us to grow as followers of Jesus. It's one of the most powerful ways for us to grow personally, to experience the new life that God has for us, and for us to grow as a church. Just imagine for a moment if everybody in this room were involved in a small group. Maybe it was a Bible study. Maybe it was a group that met to sing and worship. Maybe it was just a small group of two or three that gathered once a month to study the Word of God. Think about how we would grow in faith. Think about what that would begin to look like as more and more of us did this. The cool thing is I'm excited is that most of us, most of us are doing this. Can you just, if you don't mind, just raise your hand here if you're part of a small group. Right. I just wanted to say this, is that, one, I'm really grateful for you, uh, because that's not common. I'm grateful that that is a part of the culture of this church. I talk with Jeff and with Jesse. They are pulling their hair out for years because small groups, did just like, I think even some of the times they even say, we're not even doing them this year because no one meets. So one, I'm grateful for you guys that you are committed to this. You are a part of a small group. And I also want to encourage those of you who aren't to join in, to find a place where you fit. If you're having trouble, ask me. I will do my best to help you. 
Because I see what God will do in us, the ways that our lives would continue to grow, the way we as a church would grow. And people around us looking in, they would see what God is doing here, and they would be encouraged and want to join in too. Bless you. I want us to keep working, to keep focusing on small groups. We're going to have the information next week for us to join in and grow in these hot houses of faith. Amen. I'm going to invite you to stand, and we're going to sing a song of commitment and consecration. Jesus, I surrender all to Him. I freely give. I will ever love and trust Him in His presence daily. Walk in your ways and stay.
step you lead me and I will follow you all of my days so like I mentioned uh, a few times this morning next week we're going to have all the different small groups that are meeting in our church um, so be ready for that and find one where you fit if you have questions this morning or things that came up and you'd like to talk or pray about them, uh, come here and meet with me up at the front. I'll be, I'd love to talk or pray with you. But now, receive the